Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of The New Standard. And as always, I have my partner in crime to my left, Neil Kulong, joining me. What's happening, Neil? You know, Lance, it's, uh, it, it, what, about 48 hours, give or take, until the legal tampering period in the NFL starts. And this is one of the busiest times of the year for people who do what I do. Um, that's something that you meet both with a kind of apprehension and uh, excitement as well. A lot of stuff is going to happen. A lot of people um, are going to be talking about how a team has changed um, and perhaps some teams talking about how they got worse. But uh, transactional news is a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. Yes, it is a very exciting time. Arguably, um, this is about as exciting as the season. You know, of course, watching games, watching players do what they do at a high level is the most exciting uh, time of the year. But um, we have a special guest that's going to join us today. And so before we have him come on to talk Steeler Free Agency, I do want to say if you want to participate in the program, there are multiple ways in which you can do it. You can go to YouTube. The show is streaming live now. You can go to YouTube, do a search for The New Standard and Neil Kulong. Also, you can do a search for The New Standard and Lance Williams. Also, the show is available on all podcast platforms. Do a search for The New Standard and Steelers, Google, Apple, Spotify, whatever is your podcasting platform of choice, you can find the show there. And let's go ahead and get our guest on. And um, and let's have a great conversation about the Pittsburgh Steelers and free agency. Welcome to the program, Doug. How are you? What's up, guys? I heard special guests, and I guess special is doing a lot of work here. <laughs> well, you, you are the guest, and you are special. And thank you for hopping on to the program. What we're going to do is I'm going to let Neil and Doug have the conversation primarily, so I'm going to jump out, and I'm going to moderate in the chat and try to facilitate some questions. But before I jump off, um, Doug, introduce yourself. And uh, give us some thoughts on uh, some of the biz- the big transactions this week. Just your general thoughts on Rodgers and Russell before we hop into the Steelers discussion. Sure. Well, I'm Doug Farrar, uh, NFL editor for USHA Sports Media Group and Touchdown Wire. I work for that guy, and uh, happily so. Uh, the Rodgers thing, not a surprise. That's him running away from home and getting to the end of the street and coming back, and we're going to see that about. 17 more times in the Pat McAfee show in the next three years. And we're all looking forward to that. Oh wait, no, we're not. The Wilson thing. Uh, I'm a Seattle guy. I was covering the Seahawks on the beat at Russell Wilson's first, his rookie mini camp. So I'm kind of familiar with it uh, in general sense without getting too into the weeds. I kind of think the Seahawks got fleeced and I think when the Deshaun Watson deal happens and somebody gives up three firsts and premium players as opposed to Noah Fant and Shelby Harris and Drew Locke. I don't know. Um, I think this was Pete Carroll drawing a line in the sand saying, this is the team I want. This is the quarterback I want. You're not it. And Russell Wilson saying, look, I want to be a decision maker in personnel. I want to be a decision maker in game plan. I think Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers and bringing in Gronk and doing what he did and saying it's, you know, yeah, Bruce, it was your offense. Now it's kind of mine. I think that changed the parameters at the quarterback position, the premium quarterback position in a lot of ways. 
And I think Stafford sort of multiplied that. So with Wilson, you've got a situation where there were times when he wasn't allowed, he wasn't allowed in the room. They were game planning at times. He wanted this offensive lineman or that the one good offensive lineman they've had in the last say 10 years is Dwayne Brown. That was Wilson's shit. Dwayne Brown was the guy Wilson wanted. That wasn't Tom Cable or Pete Carroll saying, hey, let's go get Dwayne Brown. So this was irreconcilable differences for a long time. Uh, the Seahawks have drafted horribly for the last five or six years. The Jamal Adams deal is something that could break a team for a good three or four more years. They needed picks. Now, if they turn around and give up those picks for Deshaun Watson, I say, okay, you're all going to get fired. But it at least put it puts Seattle in a place where they can rebuild. Uh, the, and I wrote about this last week on Touchdown Wire. The question is, do you want to entrust the rebuild to the same guys, Pete Carroll and John Schneider, who forced it? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a legit question at this point. That's a good question. Thank you for that. And before I hop <laughs> out of here, the only thing I want to say about Packard McAfee is I hope he puts on long sleeves because um, I'm tired of seeing his arms every time I look at the podcast. So I hope he puts on long sleeves. But I'm going to hop out. And I'm going to let you guys get to it. And I'm going to hop on to the live chat and try to get some questions going. So thank you, Doug, again, for uh, spending your morning with the show and hopping on and giving us some great content and information. Thanks, Lance. Definitely. And uh, just so everybody knows, uh, Lance has also told Pat McAfee to get off his lawn. So um, we'll, uh, we we'll, update, we'll update you on his apparel choices on our next show of The New Standard. Um, Doug, again, to, to uh, echo what Lance had said, thank you for joining us. We know it's pretty early out there for you in Seattle. And uh, I wanted to stick with Seattle for a little bit. You made your comments on uh, Russell Wilson. I think that's interesting to, to suggest um, they may have gotten fleeced in that deal. I think really a lot of what we are discussing right now with the quarterback market in the NFL is a market of one, maybe two teams. Um all these deals are going to be different, even if the baseline deal is kind of being set by one of them, just simply because they're all different. They all have different things uh, that they're bringing. They all have different things that are, you know, it, going to be seen as baggage. And I think you know who I mean when I say that. As far as the Steelers go, just to touch on that really quickly, it has been reported by Aaron Wilson, among other people, that the Steelers will not make an effort uh, to acquire Deshaun Watson, uh, at the very least not in this uh, soon-to-be free agency period. I don't think that is an incredible surprise um, no. considering everything that comes with it. And it is pretty substantial. Whoever it is that uh, does acquire Watson will uh, certainly have to give up quite a bit, and they'll be taking on quite a bit as well in terms of that baggage. I can't find a, a better, more down-the-middle um, phrase to use to describe it, but I do know that that, along with his contract, is pretty substantial. So... Uh, we'll keep you updated if something does break on that. And I would honestly expect uh, if, if Watson will be traded, I'm pretty sure it's going to be within the next 24 to 36 hours. So uh, stick around to us for that. But as far as the Steelers are concerned, Doug, and obviously that is the only team we care about and it's the only team we should care about. Um, well, another Seahawks, <clears throat> another Seahawks legend that I wanted to get into was uh, this seems to be kind of quiet around the league as far as the conversation, at least up until about an hour ago, when it sounds like Dallas may or may not be uh, getting involved with linebacker Bobby Wagner. But mm -hmm. uh, when I look at Wagner, I see 
uh, certainly one of the best linebackers of this generation. I think one yes. of the best overall defensive players of this generation. And I don't see a player who's really slowed down. I, I think he is, uh, you know, the, the, the quintessential and cliche cap casualty, which I think is more fitting for where he is in his career. Um, Seattle's looking to just kind of gut everything down to the studs and, and start over. Wagner is not being cut for a, a lack of ability or even no. really his contract, in my opinion. No. What do you think about the chances of Pittsburgh acquiring him now as a free agent? Do you think he is a fit within the Steelers' defense? Do you think it it, it might be a salary situation? You got to think there are a couple teams that would be interested in him, right? Yeah, no question. And the thing about Wagner, I'm looking at the. I want to get the weight right. Uh, yeah, six foot two forty five. He's going to be thirty two in June. Um, the thing about Seattle's defense, you know, hear people say, oh, Wagner isn't what he used to be. The thing about Seattle's defense last year, it was a lot of spot drop. It was a lot of like, we're going to run the Legion of Boom schemes without the Legion of Boom. And you can guess how that worked out. Um, they took Jordan Brooks, the linebacker with, I believe, the 27th overall pick in 2020. And a lot of their defensive problems last year came about because they were trying to double down on mistakes they made, i.e. the Jamal Adams trade. And I don't want to hear from the Jamal Adams stands. It was a mistake uh, to go two first round picks for a 220 pound will linebacker. He has stands. Um, <clears throat> trust me. He does. Wow. Uh, yeah, he does. <laughs> it's bad. So anyway, uh, long story short, that defense didn't work. They were trying to turn Brooks into the next Bobby Wagner as far as role and fit. And that's not really who he is. He's more a, you know, get to the run fit without knowing what the run fit is thing, and we'll hope it works out well. Uh, you know, I went back and watched Wagner specifically. In my notes, can still kill run fits and take away short and intermediate stuff over the middle. If you're running a crosser and a 54 is there, uh, you're going to get dunked. You're going to get deflected. You're going to get intercepted. Uh, sneaky good blitzer, always has been. Not, I, I would say, as far as speed and movement ability, is probably 85% of what he was in his prime, but his prime was Hall of Fame, so that's pretty good. Um, not your optimal choice if you want a you know a couple of 230. If you want Levante David and Devin White, maybe he's not your guy because he's not going to drop you know 25 yards downfield. He's not Micah Parsons, he's not going to cover Kenny Stills up the seam for 30 yards, he's 32, right? But if you want a linebacker who can set the tone near the line of scrimmage, depending on price and length of contract, which you don't know, he could be an asset anywhere. Um, he's your green dot guy from green dot guy from day one. From an intelligence, temperament, and personality perspective, Mike Tomlin, with all the linebacker issues they've had since what unfortunately happened to Ryan Shazier, Mike Tomlin would probably have to be restrained from kissing him right out of the mouth. I mean, it would be great for Pittsburgh to get him. It, the question is, What's the contract? What's the interest and all that? Um, you know, not that tackles mean everything with linebackers because there are a lot of linebackers who kind of hang around the field and collect tackles, as you know, uh, since 2002. They are Levante... Oh, yeah. Levante <laughs> don't even have those linebackers right now. Yeah. Levante is the only guy with more solo tackles and Wagner's 819. Nobody has more combined tackles in Wagner's 1,383. That's a pretty good encapsulation. That's not including the playoffs, by the way which, believe it or not, Seattle used to get to. Uh, it's a pretty good encapsulation of who he is as a player, always near the ball because he understands your offense as well or better than you do. When you put him on the field, you get a plus-plus physical player. You get a plus-plus-plus-plus-plus processor, leader, 
captain. He's that guy from day one. When he walks in the locker room, you get better. And that's going to be true for the next two or three years. So the, the multi-plus leader is really what I would value probably more than anything else if I'm the Steelers. And really I, at I, this point in his career, that's his best attribute. And it's a major attribute in his case. Now it's, it's one attribute you might not pay for a whole lot. And I, I think we see that quite a bit within the NFL. They're not going to pay simply for leadership. He's going to, if, if he's a green dot guy, he's got to be a 900 plus snap player. And I, I feel like um, it, we're, we're getting a lot of comments um, in, in our chat in regards to Joe Schobert and the, the role perhaps that he played. Um, they acquired him as you, you probably remember in the preseason and he got the green dot the second he came off the plane. And to right. one, to, to one extent, I think, some of that was uh, related to Devin Bush and the the lack of progress that they must have seen. I'm not even joking. That trade broke literally just as Bush was was getting beaten coverage and missing a tackle in a preseason game. It's like Schobert was on his way even before the play was called. So uh, yeah, not that Schobert, not not that you would look at Joe Schobert as necessarily an upgrade to that, but you hope to get maybe more out of him as well. And there there are issues with the Steelers' defensive line that I think is fair to bring into account, but. Here's what I would say. When Bobby Wagner walks into that locker room, when he walks onto that field, you've got a different team. And to me, Steelers have the money. You made a, a significant investment as far as coaching your linebackers by bringing in uh, Brian Flores. You're not messing around. I think if, if they if they do anything, if they are rumored to be connected uh, to interest on any player, it should be Bobby Wagner. Well, here's the thing. Tomlin's head, Flores' head, whoever is coaching that defense's head, Bobby Wagner takes it on the field immediately he if if the Steelers sign him he will walk off the plane with the playbook in his hand and he will have studied it to the letter that's just who he is yeah and I I don't have a problem with that at all I just I, I like you you know my stance <coughs> on this just to refresh everybody in the audience as well I would not go as far as to say the salary cap is a myth because it is a you know it is a thing we know that but the the ability to work around it makes it more of a speed bump as opposed to a speed limit. And right. I don't think the Steelers in the situation that they're in one never go into a, a free agency period with the amount of salary cap space that they have right now, which is plus or minus call it 28 million to 30 million, somewhere in there. That's before any moves that they've made. I didn't factor in the, the signing of miles Killebrew. I, I forgot to mention that as well. They signed special teamers and backup safety miles Killebrew to a two year, $4 million deal. So clearly their cap is destroyed after that. They've got plenty of space to work with here. They're going to sign somebody. Okay, the second that Joe Hayden was available, they were boarding a plane or a bus to, to Cleveland to go sign him. I honestly think that Wagner's market is going to be similar to that. And we're going to hear the Steelers connected to it soon. If that's not a big money guy that they bring in, they're going to sign somebody. This is a team that spends the cap. They do that intentionally, you know, plus or minus six, seven, eight million, you know, in operating expenses for the season. They're going to spend up to the cap. So I Bobby Wagner to me is is the best fit that's available. Uh, since he was released in Seattle. One player, though, Doug, that um, the Steelers are looking like they're going to lose next season is uh, fourth-year, now fifth-year safety, Terrell Edmonds, the first mm -hmm. uh, first-round draft pick of the team back in 2018, a uh, player that started off probably pretty slow in Pittsburgh, uh, drew the ire of 
pretty much all fans after he was drafted and after sort of a not really all that good of a rookie season. The the thought on him, by and large, is he's come on a bit more. He's a, a reliable player. He's on the field often. He's a good athlete. Not the greatest safety in the league. Not terrible either. I firmly believe they were right on the fence about whether or not they wanted to pick up his option at $6.5 million. They ended up declining it, which doesn't surprise me, considering the team had also acquired uh, safety Minka Fitzpatrick after they drafting. put the option on Minka, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah, they, okay. They're so going. If you're choosing you between the two, Minka at ten point six or Edmonds at six point five, nobody is taking Edmonds. Okay, right. so I can see why they might do that. If Minka isn't there, maybe they keep him. I, I think they would probably have liked that. I think they honestly want to keep him now. It's just. 6.5 might have been just a little bit too high for him. Out on the market, I don't know if he doesn't get 6.5, somewhere in there. I'm not 100% convinced of that. One report, though, I'm not sure if you have seen this, uh, suggests the Steelers are perhaps uh, taking a look at Buccaneers safety, Jordan Whitehead, a fourth-round pick from the same class, who's probably had a little bit more career accolade at this point than Edmonds has. Not quite the athlete. Um I, I believe they're roughly, you know, what I think Whitehead's a little bit lighter, but they're roughly the same size. And Whitehead plays the run, I think, a little bit more aggressively than Edmonds does. What do you think the Steelers should do? And what do you think that the market value is for each of those players? Well, the thing with Edmonds, and this must be an Edmonds family trait because his brother's kind of the same guy in Buffalo. He's a big, rangy, ridiculous athlete with traits that just popping off of him. It took him a while to figure it out. And I don't know him. I don't know if it was a contract year thing, like halfway through the season, the light went on and he said, Oh boy, I better, you know, get myself together if I want to make more than vet minimum. But from week 10 through the wild card round last year, he gave up nine catches on 16 targets for 68 yards, no touchdowns, an interception, and an opponent QBR of 40.6. By the way, in that same time, Minka's opponent QBR allowed something like 10. Um, cause he's Minka. So I went, you know, when I, and, and you know, this, cause we discussed this, when I see stats like that, I go back to the tape and I understand why the Steelers didn't pick up his option because he was sort of, you know, the athleticism with some players, it gets in the way. It's like, you're so athletic. You think you can do everything. I think the light that went on for Edmonds halfway through the season was I have to control my base of operations. And especially in the, the wildcard loss of the Chiefs, I'm watching him against Kelsey, and I'm watching him defend screens and cope against a run. And all of a sudden, he's developed what I call match feet, which is wherever you go, I go. And I'm right there, and I'm in control, and I'm confident in what I'm doing. If that's the Edmonds that's now going to be the player going forward, I would take him over Whitehead with a – in a really decisive hurry. I think Whitehead is a good player. Um, I think that Edmonds, you know, whether size, I don't know. Edmonds plays bigger. He's a bigger, rangier athlete and a more aggressive tackler, more physical potential. Um, he stopped. What I wrote is after watching him, he stopped playing over his skis. He got his body under control and developed match feet. If I were deciding between Edmonds and Whitehead, I'd go with Edmonds on a shorter term deal based on the overall improvement, because I think it's sustainable. I don't know that he's going to be that guy all the time, but when you see that game after game after game for half a season, 
it's like, okay, if somebody had three interceptions against Sam Darnold, who cares? But when you see it play after play over a sustained two or three month period of time, you go, okay, he always had the athletic potential and the acumen either comes up to catch up with it or it doesn't. And I think in Edmonds, Edmonds's case, it kind of did. So I, if, if I were in charge, uh, I would go Edmonds over Whitehead. Pretty decisively. That's interesting. I, I think um, the, the question that I had, I, I posed this on uh, Twitter as well, at Neil Kulong, if you guys want to check it out. It was a couple of days ago. I think it's a fair question. If we were to set the baseline market for a safety at $6.5 million. Now, I'm, I'm saying that because that's the value of a, a, a non-Pro Bowl high snap player on his fifth-year option for, for 2022. In other words, that's the option amount for uh, Edmonds as determined by the NFL. That's not an official market number, but it is the only real number that's out there. So if we are going to use that as the comparable number, like I said before, I'm not sure if Edmonds is above or below that. I do know, however, just because this is how things work, if he has more than one suitor in the open market, he's going to get over that. They're going to have to kind of – everyone's yeah. going to use that as a baseline. And if there are multiple people, it's going to go up. Whether they start at 6.5 or 6, it's going to go above 6.5 if there's multiple people. What you said that really interested me was the idea of a shorter-term contract. I wonder if, if a team would look at maybe like a three-year deal uh, total valuation, 21 million overall. So an APY of 7 million a season. Would they do that on a short deal, pay him for year one and year two and kind of leave year three up to see where he is? It, and, you know, yeah. injuries eventually are going to come in to, to affect any safety. And I think that's because, what the market sees now. Yeah, because here's the other thing about it. And, and I've talked with a lot of people in the last few weeks about the safety position and whether people think it's a premium position or not. I don't think there's any question that it is in, in today's NFL. When you have safeties who work together like Minka and Edmonds did in the second half of the season, that that adds an attendant, not even intangible value, because you can see it on tape and you can see it in the stats. When they work together like that, that's something you'd want to push forward to me. I would agree with that. I, I think also that this this is another feather in the cap of the idea of uh, keeping Edmonds. I, I legitimately think the Steelers – would want to keep Edmonds. It's going to be a, a price issue. And you got to look at it like this as well. Whatever they do with Edmonds, Minka is taking that and tacking on 30%. Well, uh, of their, course. their decision right now proves that. I mean, 10.6 for Minka, yes. Uh, 6.5 for Edmonds, no. What that means is I've got 40% on this guy. So you give him seven. Hey, what does that mean for me? I, you know, I like the idea of, of 11, 12 plus premium for who I am. On top of everything else, Minka needs to get to that 17, 18 million a year range. And that's what he's yeah, going he, well, to Yeah, he's a premium deep third safety. So that's a whole different building. Yeah. And add the two of those things together. You're looking at a, a, a back end of your defense that's young, that's athletic. Um, Edmonds, if he continues to improve, maybe he makes a few more plays. But maybe he's also the guy that, that that's protecting the back end to make sure Minka can move around the way that he did a lot more yeah. in, in 2021 compared to what he had done previously in two seasons of Pittsburgh. So you look at that, you like the idea of locking them all up, but you're talking 25 million um, probably between the two. And that's going to go up from there. So yeah. three years down the line, you, you've got a pretty expensive uh, decision to make. Probably it, do you need those two over these two seasons? Can you get away with somebody else? 
ask the community that what you guys think of uh, the team retaining Terrell Edmonds, something like six, six and a half a year. It, it's probably the, the offer Pittsburgh is going to make is clearly going to be in that range somewhere. Don't quote yeah. me on it, but uh, six is probably what I would go with if we look at it um, average per, per year over a three him, or four year deal. If they can get him for that, the way he works, the way he worked in that defense in the second half of the season, you, you then hypothesize that it is sustainable into the next two or three years. Yeah. The importance of having that safety duo. Um, you, you show me a good defense that doesn't have at least one good safety, you know, keep going. Because Looking at there. a team that's given up 32 points a game and probably 390 passing yards a game and there you go. crushed in the red zone. It, it's, yeah. it's a critically important position. This is a big part of why you're seeing the evolution of the game uh, go almost like it, it's going from the front to the back and then the back toward the front again, and it's landing in the middle somewhere. So you have these hybrid players. Um, you mentioned, not to, to bring up the name Jamal Adams again, but Seattle trades a boatload for a really small linebacker. It's essentially what they did. And the value, not I'm, I'm not at all endorsing the move that they made, but from their perspective, what they're looking at is a defensive back who can play at the line. The versatility of that helps you combat sub-packages. Um, I, I don't think Edmonds is Jamal Adams in terms of, in terms of his physicality, in terms of his athleticism. But he's a player that can play a lot of different places. So I, I think right. there is value there to that. If it's you, not well, showing you need a guy, ball. when you show too high in today's NFL, you are eliminating a lot of passing concepts. And the stats bear this out. Teams yep. are far, 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 far better against single high in the passing game than too high. So what do you do? You run the ball. Well, if you have a guy who can come, you know, tanking and crashing down to get that linebacker five yards out, then maybe you don't need – you know, the, the Staley Fangio stuff where it's too high all the time. Well, you need that big, you know, dump truck up front. Well, maybe not as much if you can have a guy who can crash down. That's what the Seahawks hoped. Um, in a, in a more, in a larger sense, uh, I wouldn't say that Edmonds is a deep third. He plays from the deep third and he can come down and he can come down quickly. I go back to what I said about him sort of developing match feet, which is where you go, I go. And he, I saw that really improve in the second half of last season. I don't think you'll lose that necessarily. I don't think you can just develop that because, oh gosh, it's a contract year. I would be interested. I, I you know, you know the Steelers a lot better than I do. I, I haven't read Tomlin's transcripts over the last half of the season. If he addressed how Edmonds sort of got it, but he got it. And once a guy gets it like that, why would you lose it? If you can afford it, and if it's reasonable in the whole structure of the cap, yeah, that's that's the tricky part. I, I I've said this uh, since last year when they declined the option. I don't think this is a question of what they feel about him as a player. In other words, they declined Artie Burns' option, which wasn't much of a surprise. Well, I I legitimately think the Steelers felt they don't. Want I know to you were heart, you were heartbroken about that, weren't you? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You love Neil loves him. Artie Burns, I know. Still that. bitter. I still get teary eyed when I hear our mm -hmm. songs. But it, if in Edmonds' case, they didn't want to set the floor at six point five million, but they did want to retain him, and I, I legitimately feel like they still do. And I think they're they're negotiating now. We'll see what they come up with. If that is not an option, though. Because for the same reasons we would want Pittsburgh to keep him, who's to say there's not somebody out there willing to give him eight? You know, Pittsburgh isn't going to do yeah. that. What else would you see uh, besides Jordan Whitehead? I believe it was Andrew Filipponi who said uh, the Steelers would be interested in taking a look at uh, Whitehead should he reach free agency. 
do you see any other safeties available in the market you think could fit with Pittsburgh in the role that Edmonds is playing? <sighs> I'm looking at, yeah, the box slot. Oh, God, Daniel Sorensen. No. Uh, Matthew's out of your range. McCordy, short term. Marcus Williams, too expensive. Marcus May is more of a deep third guy. Quandre is more of a deep third guy. And uh, per Seattle, no one else can have him. <laughs> Keanu Neal might be interesting as sort of a slot backer guy. Um, I think he was a guy the Steelers were interested in too back in the day. Keanu Neal is somebody I've seen. Jabril Peppers, if you know how to use him. Uh, Tashawn Gibson, I think, was a bit underrated over the last couple of years. And there, there are a few guys out there. There's no one like – I mean, the obvious the obvious would be Matthew, who was sort of the Minka prototype for a while. And, you know, yeah. in Alabama and Miami where you're playing, you know, 12 different positions and just balling out all over the place. Um you know, uh, a Kareem Jackson, maybe Keanu Neal. I'll, I'll mention that name again. Um, I think Edmonds is their best option at that position. At that, I, by position, I say you you play because when I look at defensive backs, I look at where do you start and where do you finish. Like, what's your primary? Because everyone plays all over the place now. No one plays just one spot. So I kind of go from out to in. In this, where you're playing box, two slot, two free. That's one, two, three, in order of importance and ability. Um, for price, because you ain't going to get the Badger and you ain't going to get Marcus Williams, he's probably your best option. Plus the fact, again, he fits in that defense. He and Minka already work well together. That, to me, is worth a couple three million bucks. Just that. I, I agree, and I think Pittsburgh does as well, which is why that, that was in the, the plus side for me as far as picking up his option. You want to pay for continuity. You want to pay for the guy the coaches know at that point. Well, and I understand were... why they didn't pick up his option before because you know the year he was still kind of that cat on the kitchen floor. Um, <laughs> he didn't really pick it up to me until that second half of the season, which good for him, but it also made it more complicated. You don't always expect that, and when it happens, you go, okay, now we have to rejigger and kind of how do we capitalize on this as a team? And for, for Edmonds, how do I capitalize on this player? Yeah. And it, it, I think this, this dovetails a bit into <clears throat> not a, not the, the same type of situation, but let's look at it more internally from the inside out, move to the offensive line. Um, you have no doubt been around the Steelers fans long enough to understand the frustration and um, general bitterness toward uh, then rookie center Kendrick Green, and looking at uh, where the Steelers are going and what they are trying to do, it looks to me uh, like Green was kind of a black hole. Now, I, I'll offer this up. Um, it, in my eyes, from what I saw, he was really slow to snap and take on a block. I, I think that's a fatal flaw of a center, and there isn't much of a difference there. I don't know how fixable that is. I think you can work with it, but there are a lot of things you can't do if, if he's unable to do that. So uh, new offensive line coach, Pat Meyer comes in. I'm sure part of the interview process was what do you want to do with the center? How do we do this? Um, within the draft, I've, I've seen this a couple times. It wasn't your mock draft, but I have seen uh, Iowa's Taylor Linderbaum fall to 20. I have heard a lot of very negative things about him at 20. I've heard a lot of very positive things about him at 20. It really seems more like what, a besides the fact that he's a center, what would the negative thing be? It's not the biggest. 
Uh, he's kind of kind of scheme specific. You got to move him a bit. Are the Steelers built for that fundamentally? Do they want to well, run outside the, yeah, zone? Yeah, that's the other, like the new offensive. And the Steelers switch this like every year. Are they gap yeah. or are they inside outside yep. zone? I mean, every every team plays all of it. But like, what's your predominant? Thing? What, yeah, what what's your fastball? And for the Steelers, that's gonna, been gap and inside zone. If it's beat the crap out of you, gap, you know, maybe you take Zion Johnson in the center, which he's played before. And he's at, you know, not that phone booth exists anymore, but <laughs> if <laughs> they take did, him a full second to snap the ball and take on a block because no, that was Green's well, here, problem. Here's what I wrote about Green. Um, and people remember your last plays more distinctly than anything else. And you remember this that one of his last plays before he was out for whatever reason, whether it was injury or whatever. The, the week 16 sack fumble against the Chiefs, Deshaun Wharton just blew right by him. And Deshaun Wharton is not, I mean, he's a good player, but he's not like Aaron Donald. And it was pretty quickly after that they put J.C. Hassenauer, Hassenpfeffer, whatever his name is instead. Uh, I will <laughs> give Green Minnesota's own, J.C. Hassenauer. Yeah, I will give Green credit for getting on field and tackling Jaron Reed, who I'll mention <laughs> later in the show, uh, preventing a touchdown. Um, if that switch wasn't injury related and I've read on Steelers wire after using the Google that it may or may not have been, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it, uh, we, we've debated that in this segment for, for those who might not know what we're talking about. Kendrick green, uh, missed, I believe that the, the uh, week 16 and 17 games. No, he was uh, in after, week 16 and it was yeah, it 17 was, and 18. He missed. And they, they I thought he came back it. for the last one. That was the last drive, and all of a sudden, number six, he's playing center. I'm like, hmm, that's okay, there, I I feel my my long-winded point here. I'll cut it off short. I feel both of those things can exist. I I, I refuse to believe when Adrian Clem left. That's when Kendrick Green wasn't playing anymore, and that's when you started the team have a little bit more continuity on offense. And yeah. you're talking about J.C. Hassenauer is the least physically gifted center in the entire NFL. I promise you that. The guy is short. He's stubby. He's not overly strong. He's not overly fast. He knows what he's doing, though. And he can but get he can the snap off and get into a block. His right yeah, and exactly. a guy from demolishing your quarterback. That's which, how you – know... that was the difference between it. And it's amazing to the point where I would counter with this. I'm sorry I've gone way past my question here. But if you look at a guy like Linderbaum, if he can do that, that in and of itself has – far more intrinsic value to the offense than whatever Kendrick Green provided last year. Is it what you should do at center if you're getting run from an undrafted backup who didn't even play in college? If right. you're getting more run out of that guy than you are in Kendrick Green, I don't think you need 20 overall to fix it. I think you really should be able to go back in the third round and find somebody that can play the center position. Why well, they scouted Green the way they did, I, I don't know. The tape just doesn't show that he's really, you know, he, he should be out there. Certainly not that early in his career. I live in Seattle, Neil, so I've seen over the last decade the worst <laughs> offensive line scouting in the history of football at any level going down to Pop Warner. I'll answer the overall center question this way. Um, I don't know if you saw or heard or read any transcript of Eric DaCosta's combine uh, interview session with the media. I did not. He compared Linderbaum to Marshall Yonda. Hmm. If the Steelers want Linderbaum, they may have to jump Baltimore to get him. Because really? I, I've seen him linked to Baltimore quite a bit. That absolutely one, makes a ton point, of sense for what they do. It, yeah, that, that he, might, game, he might be Baltimore's best option at 14. Exactly. If, like take a more powerful Jason Kelsey, which is my comp for Linderbaum, and put him in that offense. Hmm. Holy crap. He's perfect. Um, for it. Yes, he is. So with the Steelers, you're like, okay, well. 
and we, we'll obviously get into this more when we talk about quarterbacks or whatever, but what, what was the offense last year? How much of it was defined by Ben's limitations, by the offensive line problems, by a new running back getting up to speed? What do they really want to do? I don't their, you know. Their offense last year, Doug, was Ben's limitations. I think that was yeah. the name of it inside the building. It was, they, it was, they couldn't it was do RP, anything. It was RPO in a can. Yeah, they tried to do game. RPOs. They failed at it. They tried to do other stuff and couldn't. They, they couldn't do anything consistently except run short slants under um, it, max protection, three-step, get rid of the ball. The and only really thing awesome, they excelled awesome, at top to way, bottom was getting down, rid of the ball. Yeah, fourth down screen game. Primo. Yeah. But I as far forgot, as center, I forgot about that's a low blow. I forgot yeah, about is. that. Boom. Think, uh, was it the same game or was it different weeks? The same situation uh, was, they screwed up for that. It was every flipping week. <laughs> it, it, to um, be honest, it was worse in 2020. So it really so, was. I think they yeah. converted zero of 16 short yardage situations in the second half of the year, something like that. Well, I was watching the Edmonds tape and uh, I put up that which you saw because you responded to it, that Andy Reid screened at McKinnon where he did that little slash thing. And Joe, Joe Ed, Edmonds had no chance. What do you want Edmonds no to do? And that's, there's nothing Edmonds could do there. I said, as always, put Andy's uh, screen game in the Louvre. And someone said, put Mike Tomlin's uh, screen game in the latrine. And I said, well, blame Canada, as we know. Um, blame Fickner, blame Haley. Yeah, blame, but, uh, they they, they uh, haven't so, been able to run a screen since Randall L. I swear. When we when we talk about the offensive line, we you know you you then burn that out to what the quarterback's going to be because I've had I've done two mocks this year. I've put Matt Corral in Pittsburgh in both of them because the criticism of Matt Corral is all he can do is throw RPOs. A not true. He's actually better when he doesn't. But if you know if if your best bet is to go to an RPO and a can offense, Hey, there you go. Uh, but we don't know what that offense is actually going to be because we don't know who the quarterback is. I don't assume it's either Rudolph or Haskins. So when it comes to what, and I don't know what the new O-line coaches is, is going to run because again, the Steelers are really from year to year, very different in what they prefer to do with their blocking schemes. So you have to, you have, you know, a, a Cam Jer- Beef Jurgens. Uh, you know, maybe he's the guy in the later rounds. Fortner from uh, Kansas, I think. You know, they're they're different types of guys. <laughs> Do they need a new center? Yeah. Um, and whether that's free agency, you know, if I mean it. Like a Ryan Jensen, that's spendy. They had Pouncey for a long time, and I'm sorry, Steelers fans, they rolled with that even when Pouncey had lost his fastball for a couple of years. So they value that consistency. It goes back to that three million extra that you would pay for the guy that you know. That that was Pouncey in a lot of ways. And Pouncey was Pouncey was a locker room team leader guy. It wasn't that he was the best center in the game. It it's Pouncey was that locker room. Just for for fans who are are curious, Morkey's Pouncey was on Ben's level as far as influence. I know that because at, at that point I was a reporter. I was covering the team. When Pouncey showed up and it looked like he was going to talk to media, everybody stopped. The players came and listened to what Pouncey had to say. He had major pull in that yeah. locker room. He's a really likable guy. He was a great leader. Um, they paid the, the premium for that. And I, you know, well, that goes back for them, that works out. But yeah, you, you, you that never goes back to met. the Wagner discussion, right? 
how yeah. much is that yes. worth? Is it worth exactly. it for $3 million? You uh, need that for, pod boss, in my opinion. If you don't have that guy, yes, it is. You'll know when you don't have him, too. Oh, yeah. And if we're talking about, come on, deck chairs in the Titanic, as far as market value, up them a little bit to be motivated to do these things for the sake of the team, you're, you're overpaying him per market. Your agent probably is aware of that. They've actually countered really close to what we offered. So I think we should probably take this. Those kinds of things, the Steelers have paid for those types of veterans in the past. I feel like that's what Wagner would be. Let, let's Which get to what the quarterback And I've watched, I've watched the Legion of Boom go from a room full of alphas to the beta band in a very short yep. space of time. It's kind of depressing. So It's, it's yeah, really it's hard important. to get all those it guys matters. together. But the yeah. Legion of Boom is, is what could happen if you mm-hmm. emphasize that. And I, yep. you need leadership to do that. It is leadership. It, it It's leadership and it's attitude. Take Bobby Wagner all day. If they don't sign Bobby Wagner, I'll, I won't be happy about that. I'll tell you that right now. Um, oh, I wanted to get in. I wanted to get into your mock draft, though, because I think it's really interesting. I wanted to go into uh, the RPO comments that were made <laughs> as far as Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look at Corral. Um, I, I see an NFL starter. I see great makeup, great tools, great toughness. Um, I don't see Trevor Lawrence. I think no. we are in kind of Trevor Lawrence hangover territory right now. If the prospect isn't 6'5", 230 with athletic ability, a cannon arm and a golden presence, we don't value it as much for and, until the years start to move on. I look at Corral, I absolutely see a first-round quarterback. And the, the fact that he fell to 20 in your mock draft really excites me. i I be honest with you, I don't think that's going to happen. But – if he's on the clock at 20, the Steelers got to take him, right? I mean, I, I don't think they would get a better realistic option at 20 than Matt Corral. We'll see. I think, and I was discussing with Brian Baldinger on a video we did yesterday, um, the fact that so many quarterback moves happened right after the combine, I think is indicative of what the NFL feels about this class. Zach Wilson, <clears throat> last year, same thing, except – now it's in reverse. You're, you're going the yeah. other way. They're convinced on the veterans now, whereas last year, okay, we we like Zach Wilson. He made that throw in, in his pro day. We got to get him. We're going to go trade up everything to go get him. It, it, you're right. The exact opposite. Is I think it was now. Scott Pioli who said on the NFL Network, that was the worst thing that could, or on the Tape Ends podcast, that was the worst thing that ever could have happened to Zach Wilson was that he made that throw. Because yep. now he thinks he has to make that throw all the time. Yep. <laughs> it's just too much. For everything, for all of his evaluation to go down to that one throw, and that that's that's what happened. Um, but hey, you know what? Chicago Bears are loving it. I'm sure Justin Fields is still pretty pissed, but I short Justin term Fields and long term, they're going to win that. <laughs> yeah, for him to have gone where he did, um, pretty remarkable. But it, well, it, I want to say this: if Fields was in this class, he'd be number one, and yeah. I think by oh, a yeah. fairly sizable margin. Nobody would nobody would even question it. The only thing you would see is is something on Reddit from some idiot that would get downvoted into oblivion. Well, actually, I think Kenny Pickett should get taken before Justin Fields. Nobody is going to go along with that. No. Fields. Um, was, now it, I've it, watched... it was a great class. This one, not so much, not not so sure on it. But yeah, it, where's the baseline of that? Because at the same time, I still see Matt Corral having a great uh, uh, set of skills. You know, uh, you and I talked a lot last year about Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones is is a, a, a parallel to Corral in this sense. Jones has an obvious flaw. He is about as athletic as I am. He's about as fast as I am. He's built like I am. 
the guy can put a, a ball anywhere on the field. We've seen that up and down. He's smart. He can read a defense. He's not athletic. He cannot make extra plays off schedule. He's not going to give you an added dynamic that you really expect from, from today's modern quarterback. What is it about Matt Corral then? Would you say he does not have that it is going to limit him to be uh, a top 20 as opposed to a top 10 pick? Like a plus, plus, plus deep on him. I mean, that's, and that can be improved. Um, He's a smaller guy. He ran a lot in that offense. You don't necessarily want that. Um, I think for what for what I perceive the Steelers wanting post Ben, um, I think he'd be a fit. I think Pickett would be a fit. I've done more work on Pickett and uh, Malik Willis and Ritter than I have on Corral. Uh, I want to. I don't want to sit here and bullcrap you saying I've watched eight Corral games. You know, I've watched highlights at this point because um, you know this. I don't start the draft process until the Super Bowl is over because I just can't. <laughs> um, I think it's a fit from a schematic perspective. If what Canada and his group want to do is in any way resembles what it was last year. Um, which again, you would know better than I do, but if that's, if that's who they want, um, you know, get the ball out quickly. He, he has a good head on his shoulders. You know, he can run the game from the pocket and outside the pocket to a pretty decent degree. Would I give him a first round grade, regardless of positional overvalue? Probably not. I don't know that I give any of these guys a first round grade, even Willis, um, pick it maybe, uh, Pickett to me, his ceiling, his floor is sub Kirk Cousins. His ceiling is plus Kirk Cousins, but that's that's your box. Um, Willis could be Jalen Hurts. It could be Michael Vick, like like Eagles Michael Vick, like Michael Vick when he understood the West Coast offense. And for two years, it was like, oh my god, um, you know. And that that's that's you know, Colbert's final draft and and that whole thing. That's going to be a big discussion in the room. Is is this a year we don't overcook quarterback value in the draft? And I think that conversation is being had in a lot of NFL facilities right now. And again, based on what happened right after the combine, it was like a, a mad dash. Carson Wentz, for God's sake. Um, I think, I think that tells don't. you, Oh, I, I, that actually wasn't a shot. I wasn't. Please stop. Um, can't take it anymore. I know. Uh, I think teams are telling you what they feel about this class. So would Matt Corral be there at 20? I think, I mean, let's put it this way. Spoiler for the next mock, pre-free agency mock. I got nine offensive linemen and two quarterbacks. I want to respond to something that was said earlier. I absolutely did not compare Mac Jones to Matt Corral. What I said was Mac Jones has one obvious limitation that probably (laughs) drops his stock. And I asked, because I knew what he would say, what Mac Corral's deficiency is in that regard. And it's his arm strength. So mind is blown and so is your hearing. Um, The thing about, about, real quick, the thing about arm strength is you can improve it. We saw that with Brady. We saw that with Breeze. Mobility, if you don't have it, that's it. And yeah, it's just you, get you can't worse. get faster as you age. Your arm can get stronger when you use all of your body. When you put it, it, twins center fielder 
Tory Hunter said this once, and it's always stuck with me. When he gets his man muscles, in other words, when the quarterback grows up, he's been in an NFL nutrition program, weight training program. When he develops his lower body, when he gets legs, when he gets an ass, he's able to throw the ball. You can't get faster on that same thing. You just, you won't. Not, not functionally. You know, you might shave at a hundredth off your 40 time, but who cares? That, that's not functional speed. You're able to improve the arm strength to the level that you need it. And you can also scheme around that to some degree. Mac Jones, oh, you're, you're able to draw stuff up based on those types of limitations. Because I don't think Mac Jones has a great deep arm. I I think we saw it in college because his receivers were nuking every cornerback in the SEC. You watch him last year? I don't know. Limited NFL arm. Young kid, though. You know, that's something to build on. Will the mobility improve? No. No, absolutely not. I think Corral has those parts. He's fine. I think that's that's the thing I, I see more than anything with Corral is he's not in. Uh, well, he's going to be. If the Steelers draft him in two years, they're going to be playing that type of offense. That's where the NFL is going anyway. Uh, the, the Steelers tried to do RPO last year often. They tried to do that a lot. Ben, Only the all, Chiefs all, and the Dolphins had more RPO snaps. Yeah. All due respect to Ben Roethlisberger, a Hall of Fame player. Not, not real equipped for for an RPO offense. No. Not his style of ball. Never what all. he was. Never what he was and an orchestrator. It, he didn't want three snap tried. motion. He didn't want the coaches screwing with his his vision. Ben he, wanted to okay. play backyard football. Yeah, and you know it worked, and it didn't work. I mean, it, whatever. We're not here to to critique Ben, but right. the fact is, their their offensive coordinator has a background in it. He has success in it. They've drafted players that seem like they're going to fit with that. I think Pat Fryermuth could could exist pretty well. Uh, inside of an sure. RPO offense, you have a sure. good running back who's smart with vision and feet. I think that helps. Who can, with by the things. way, catch the ball really well. Yeah, I, that's why I, put can, all these I compared together. him to Steven Jackson when he came out. That's one of the reasons why. I think that's I think that's fair. I think that's a good comparison. You put all that together, it looks to me like they need an RPO quarterback. Now, for me, if we're looking at it just in that lens, and answer this for me, I like Corral. I think Corral goes earlier. Sam Howell is another classically conditioned. RPO type of quarterback with mobility who lacks size in that great arm. Is he good enough at 20 or is he just purely a round two guy in your mind? I wouldn't put Sam Howell in the first round, even with the overcooking the position. I think he's maybe a middle second guy. Is he a 52 overall, which is what I would project him to be. Probably my opinion, the Steelers are taking a quarterback with their first round pick or their second round pick. It seems more likely it would be the second based on how I think the draft will unfold, because I, I don't think it, Desmond Desmond Ritter's name came up as well. He's another guy I look at from a, an age and experience perspective. You can get something on the arm, but he's got a good arm. Uh, he's older. I the, the accuracy, the mechanics, it's going to take a bit for him. In one way, I would say take him in the first round to get that 50-year option. If you are set today on him being your, your starter in 2023, Beyond that, though, he's a second-round guy, and I, I don't think that's a bad move for them to make either. I, I would put Ritter on the periphery out. of the first and second rounds. I like him a right. lot. You which just is don't that, watch, you just don't want to watch the Alabama game, which wasn't his fault. I I like Ritter a lot, except they're not drafting at thirty-two, and they're not going to get they're not going to move down to thirty-two. You know, right. Ritter Ritter would be a trade-up target late in the twenties. Nobody, well, somebody. 
if the Steelers were able to trade down, it's going to be with the team that's trading up to get rid of somebody who's out of the first round, something. Well, like let's that. assume, let's assume for the purposes of this exercise that instead of overcooking the quarterback position to 50% in the draft, NFL teams are going to do it 10% this year. Is it fair to the say market is overcooking down. it though? You just, you, there aren't any, you have to get them when they're there. It just doesn't matter. In my opinion, yeah. you can't. I think at- I think this could be like 2013. There were 11 quarterbacks drafted that year. EJ Manuel was the only first round guy. Yeah. None of them panned out. And all of I think sucked. the only guy in the <laughs> league right now, the only two guys in the league still are Geno Smith and Mike Glennon. That's amazing. And sometimes you have those classes where it's like, we got Buckus. We can't do this. <laughs> if we draft this guy around more because he's a quarterback, we're going to get fired. Steelers fans, keep me honest here. Did the Steelers ever lose Geno Smith? I know they almost did last year, but first thought in my head when you said Geno Smith and Mike Glennon, if I was on Jeopardy, who are two quarterbacks who beat the Steelers that shouldn't have? Uh, I, I know Glennon. Well, I, gotta, I, gotta look I don't, that I don't think I Smith did. I think they beat Smith twice, once when he was with the Jets and then last year uh, with Seattle. Well, but, he may be your Seahawks starting quarterback in uh, 2022. Yeah, things are looking great for Seattle. It's, oh, yeah, they've oh, they've wow. really done well. It, it's just <laughs> It's just so awesome up here. Let me ask you this, Doug. We got they've gone, they've gone from fair warning to Van Halen three. It's just <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> David Lee Roth and Gary Sharon. It's about as bad as it gets. <clears throat> let me uh, it, let me let me end with this. We're we're up against time here. Um, just off the cuff, and I think this came up. If you were Kevin Colbert in your last season as general manager with the Pittsburgh Steelers, you have, let's just say, I don't, let's say they sign an offensive lineman to start in free agency. Just take offensive line off the board. Cause I, I'm not sure what I like at at 20 overall anyway for them. And we have to go through a lot of hoops to, to figure out exactly what they would want to do. If you are Kevin Colbert, you have signed an offensive lineman to start in free agency. What are you looking at today or a week from now after free agency has gone through? You sign the lineman, the draft is coming up. What are you looking to do if you are in charge of the Steelers? Their free agency, their spending, and their draft. What's the move that you want to make next if you are in charge of that team? I think I have to figure out short term what quarterback I want. And it may not be in the draft because I don't now Willis and Ritter, I think are a year. I think you sit Willis for a year and then you can be really good. I think Ritter's the same guy. I think Pickett maybe starts and takes his lumps for a while and then gets a little bit better. I'm not as fond of his ceiling as some people are. I think you have to figure out who your quarterback is for 2022. And maybe that's it. And maybe if it's RPO boot, it's Trubisky or it's um, Mariota. If it's a, well, let's just, this is for one season. This is rent a QB and hope that you can go they, you know, they nine and they nine and seven already. and one again. They, Not they really. signed him already. They, really they have Mason Rudolph is at no. 10,000 foot level. He's the same quarterback. There's no. no point in spending on. Okay. Explain it to me then from a business perspective. You've got 10 million dead for Ben on the cap. Uh, Rudolph is worth four on the cap. You're going to tender Haskins at the highest level that, that's reasonable, 2.6 million. Oh, it's God, probably why? going to be the 1.5 level. Those three quarterbacks, you want to bring in another one? Why Only two of them Haskins? can play. If you add a fourth to that, you have a, a cap situation of what, $20 million? And you don't what have has Haskins ever done. What has Haskins ever done to Nothing. deserve the highest possible him. tender? 
What's what's Trubisky done for the same price? What's the difference? He has shown in the NFL an ability to succeed in boot and RPO offenses. That's the two things he does well. That's it. I'll but just draft you can, the guy then. I'll just draft him. Well, yeah. I, I but, can draft that. But maybe so my, guy, my third quarterback, why is it going to be another veteran? You're going to draft a quarterback because then if you bring in Trubisky, are you going to give him a multi-year deal? Then yeah. he's your starter at one point. He's not going to why do you have Rudolph? You gave Rudolph a bonus last year to stay. What's the well, point? Well, that's a good question. <coughs> Why are is, you tendering that, Haskins is, at all? Is that Well, the question is, is that, hey, we believe in you to X degree, or we're just doubling down on our mistakes? I, I think it, it, call, call it a mid-level. I think they're saying it's insurance. If we can't land Rodgers, which they are rumored to have at least explored, which makes sense to me, maybe they would get a sucker deal on Rodgers, and this financially wouldn't be too hard to, to keep Rudolph as a backup. That'd be fine. You get the deal to keep him in place to avoid Mitch Trubisky in, in 2023, to avoid being leveraged by Mitch Trubisky because you wouldn't have a, a quarterback under contract. You know, they, well, they protected I mean, themselves against the, the market. The water carrier is telling us now that he's going to get a four year, $40 million Taysom Hill deal. Um, I don't believe it. I, I Trubisky. Think it's, yeah. I think it's Who's telling you that? Have you read Twitter lately? Have, I, you read, have you read the blue check? I checks? read Twitter. I don't take it seriously. That's no, no. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> this <laughs> is what I'm saying. Neil. Not, it's, you're not signing Mitch Trubisky for four years. No, why would you want I'm him saying. for four years? This is what I'm saying. What, no matter what you see from the certain blue checks, and I'm not going to name names because I know oh some of these people. It's just and I know what they're doing. They're you know agentifying. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just, it's he's going to get, get. get a one year, a little bit over vet minimum deal. Same with Mario. Yeah. Same with a Bridgewater. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, they they tried to spend none on of the guy with the possible with the possible exception of Kenny Pickett. None of the quarterbacks you draft this year are going to be ready to play this year, and I have serious questions about Pickett. You're going to have to sit any of these guys. Brissett, eh. same guy, yeah. same ten thousand foot level. These they're all the same guy. They already have him. Brissett, they're, I put in the Bridgewater category. You're not bringing in a third pocket guy. <laughs> There's no concerned. point. I mean, Bill honestly, when you have one, when you have two quarterbacks, you have none. I'd imagine the equation is the same when you have three quarterbacks. None of those guys says, are starting. Says the guy who won a Super Bowl, Jeff Hostetler, but you know, hey, that was forty years ago. Miracle that you actually played defense and ran the ball. Then Hostetler yeah. didn't screw up. That's that's a nice value to have. You can't do that. Certainly not with Mitch Trubisky. He's gonna screw something up. It's gonna happen. Well, look, they're <clears> not gonna they're not gonna get Watson. They're not going to get Rodgers. They're not going no. to get Wilson. They're not going to get no. a premium quarterback. Anyone they draft, they're going to have to sit. Correct. Unless they're just going to take it down to the studs, which they're not going no. to do. They're going to play. <laughs> they're Mason one of those Rudolph. teams. That's, <laughs> that's why they signed one them. of those teams is pretty much a quarterback away. They got to fix some stuff, you know, offensive yeah. line. They got to, I mean, I, we didn't even get into the whole to it thing because I, Cam Hayward had to be Superman all year. And you could, this is a Hall of Famer, and it was wearing him out. So they got to figure that out. He was Cam was gassed by the end of the season. Uh, Might have been his most impressive season just from yeah. you know, up until the he remembers he's thirty one years old and he he had to play balls out and their run yeah. defense died when Cam was no longer Superman. That's the guy. Not fun. This is this is my opinion based on what I've seen from these guys on their roster and the ones who might be the guys on the roster. No, the guys who they would draft would with the possible exception of Pickett, need to sit. Do you then mm -hmm. take the, the one-year bridge guy? 
Yeah, because they already did. And that, Mason and that, Rudolph. I well, okay. You Same and I are going to agree. You and I are going to agree to disagree on that. I, what I'm saying, ten thousand foot level. I don't mean bootlegs. I don't mean any of that stuff. I mean they can do non uh, mobility based stuff with Mason Rudolph while they figure out who's next because he's not. They know that, but now they don't have to enter into uh, the market to compete for Marcus Mariota. They don't have so to. So why would you do non mobility based stuff with a guy who you know isn't your next quarterback? Why wouldn't you get mobility based stuff with a guy who knows you know you're, who's not your next quarterback? Because Why wouldn't you give yourself Trubisky, one more advantage? Because Trubisky on the open market, one, it's going to cost a lot more. Two, hasn't been with them for four years. They don't know him inside now. They don't have any real clearance on him. Three, why would Trubisky come for one year? He probably wouldn't even sign for that. What maybe contract are you I, going okay, to let's, uh, Maybe it's not Trubisky. Maybe it's a Mariota. Maybe it's a Bridgewater. It's that bridge guy. And you say they have that bridge guy. I say they don't. I mean, we can parse that out, but that's – that to me is the thing that going back to the original question of what beyond free agency, which unless they get one of those guys, they're not going to get someone else. You know, what do they need to do next? They got to figure out their quarterback. They absolutely they got- need to figure out the quarterback. I think that um, it, it, that's going to be the question of the rest of this off season and probably next off season as well for the Steelers. But Doug, yep. we are out of time. Thank you very much. For coming by again, it's Doug Farrar. He is the NFL editor with the NFL Wire Network, which is the same network I work for. Doug runs our Touchdown Wire property and edits the work of Mark Schofield, Lori Fitzgerald. You guys, should, Fitzpatrick, you guys should definitely uh, come by and check that out. Thanks, Doug. For uh, thanks, Doug. Thanks, for Doug. Appearing. <clears throat> Lance has thanks, reappeared from the shadows. Thank you, Doug. Uh, Thank you, Doug. Pretty much all we have here, Lance. Unless you have some final parting shots. No, I think oh, it was a good interview. I wanted you to. Um, That's by the uh, way, yeah. every phone call that Neil and I have is we just argue about football for three hours. <laughs> thank you for at least once thank a you. week. Uh, definitely, thank you for hopping on, Doug. One question I did want to ask you guys: spent a lot of time um, on Bobby Wagner. Um, outside of Bobby Wagner, uh, any free agents you think out there that? the Steelers could target. I, I would love for the Steelers to bring in Wagner, by the way. And uh, I, I'm going to agree with Neil. I think it's going to be uh, Mason Rudolph. It'd just be a bridge to whoever the guy is in 2023 um, or 2024. We'll see. But in terms of free agency, who would be another player um, outside of Wagner that you think the Steelers could target in free agency? Jordan Hicks. Cardinals kept drafting these, you know, supposed do it all linebackers in the first round. They didn't really regard him. He's a really good player. Excellent. Excellent. Former Again, Eagle, I believe. Excellent. Again, Doug, thank you for hopping on. And thank you, listeners, for hopping on as well. Great interview, great content, great information. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back again, Doug, maybe towards the draft. We can talk some draft stuff, see what the Steelers do. And we can also talk some free agency stuff as well but thank you again doug thank you neil for handling that and giving me the week off i could just sit back in the background and just listen to a fantastic interview so again thank you neil and as always listeners tune in tell a friend and subscribe